This program contains explicit content and subject matter which may be unsuitable for some listeners. Discretion is advised. You've got questions. We've got all the answers when it comes to sex and more. This is the A to Z of Sex with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Every week, we pick a series of topics that you've been wanting to know about. It's an encyclopedia of sex, intimacy, relationships, and so much more than that. Let's get things started. Now, here's your host, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the A to Z of Sex with me, Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. I'm a sex and intimacy coach and a psychologist, and I have spent the last 30 plus years helping people to create hot and healthy sexual and intimate relationships. We are working our way through the erotic alphabet one letter at a time. Today, the letter is L, and L is for sex after loss. This week, I'm talking about getting back to sexual life after loss. The loss of a partner through breakup or through death can make the idea of having a sexual life again seem distant or even impossible. Few people even want to discuss this subject as it can bring up so many emotions. I'll be talking about sex after 70 as well in this episode and breaking the silence around sex in our later years. Joining me to examine sex after loss is Joan Price. She calls herself an advocate for ageless sexuality. She's the author of four books about sex and aging, including the award-winning Naked at Our Age, Talking Out Loud About Senior Sex, and her latest, Sex After Grief, Navigating Your Sexuality After Losing Your Beloved. Her award-winning blog has been offering senior sex news, views, and sex toys reviews since 2005. At age 76, Joan continues to talk out loud about senior sex, partnered or solo. She's the co-creator of Jessica Drake's Guide to Wicked Sex, Senior Sex. Find Joan and her books, film, and blog at https colon forward slash forward slash joanprice.com. Welcome to the show, Joan. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited about this show because um, so frequently, this is a topic that no one wants to talk about. It's sort of like both, both parts of this, sort of like when somebody's bereaved, it's the area nobody touches. Like, what do you do with your desire? Nobody wants to go near that. And also the idea of what happens to our sexual lives past sort of 60 seems to be something that's completely taboo to discuss. Absolutely true, which is why, of course, I devote myself to those two topics. <laughs> Don't want to do anything easy. But you're right that um, sex after 60, 70, 80 and beyond is something we don't want to talk about in our society. And sex after grief for any age, whether 20 or 40 or 60 or 80, that's something people really don't want to talk about. Even the grief books don't mention sex, which is why I decided that sex after grief needed to be my next book. And I'm very happy with it. Yeah, you know, it was one of the things I, I was really excited when I saw the book because I know the standard grief books. And as, um, as a therapist over many years, they're things that you refer people to um, because it can be really useful to actually read somebody else's words. But there is nothing. I noticed that there was nothing that spoke about any sexual feelings. And I would have people talk in session about things like having a passionate dream about their beloved who's no longer there. Yes. And then waking with that grief and all the sexual feelings at the same time. Exactly. And that happened to me. Yes. 
That happened to me several times. We've got to talk out loud about it. Other cultures deal with grief in different ways. Other cultures deal with sex in different ways. Other, people, other cultures deal with aging in different ways. We're not exactly ahead of the game here. No, I would agree with that. So what, what, what is, do you think is the most important thing that people who have been bereaved need to know about dealing with either the avoidance of sex or the sexual feelings that come up? Oh, there are a few things. Um, one very important thing is, however you're feeling, it's normal. Don't judge yourself. Don't let other people impose their own timetable on you. Don't let other people say you're grieving wrong because you're dating too soon or you're not dating for too long. That this is something between us and our feelings. We'll... We'll know when we're ready. Of course, we can get stuck because we can get into depression. I'm not saying ignore the signs that we are depressed or that we are hurting, that we are being destructive to ourselves. But I'm saying that no one can tell us when it is time to move into a new relationship with someone else. We don't need to say at any point, I have loved and therefore can't love again. That's not true. We also don't have to say, I have only had sex in this one way. For example, a monogamous long-term relationship. <laughs> That's the only way I can function. We don't know that. Everything has changed for us if we're grieving, including how we deal with our sexual feelings. And yes, those sexual feelings will come up because we're human. This is part of being human is that we are resilient and we are sexual beings. And so um, for those people who don't really have a sense of what to look for in terms of depression, I like the quick and dirty diagnosis of depression that I was taught in the early 80s, um, which was something that Aaron Beck said, which is that depression is when you have a negative view about yourself, a negative view about the world, and a negative view about the future. Ah. If all of those three things are true, then you ought to be talking to, to a professional because the chances are you're, you're becoming clinically depressed, if not already. But if not all three of those are true, then you don't have a closed loop, which means that you're not yet clinically depressed. And it may just be something that you can move out of more easily on your own. But as you know, there's something called situational depression. Yes, which I, a term I didn't know until I was deeply in grief and and was having trouble functioning. At the the counselor I saw said you have situational depression. That made plenty of sense with, uh, to me that my brain had been altered by losing my beloved, and nothing was right. I didn't feel right. I didn't feel physically right. I didn't feel emotionally, mentally. Uh, Nothing felt right. So it made sense to me that there was something going on that um, if it had a name, maybe that would make it easier to deal with, and it did. It made it easier to get help. And you know, even if someone is not undergoing any kind of depression, even if it is whatever normal grief looks like, because it's all normal and yet doesn't feel normal at all, no. I think that seeing a, a therapist or a counselor is really important for all of us going through grief. It, it feels like we can't be helped, but 
for these people, it's their day job to help people like us. They know our, there's some tools, some strategies we can use. And I'm absolutely in favor of, of getting help during this really hard time. I absolutely agree. So, yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, I think that oftentimes people feel uncomfortable about seeking help because they think it means that they're acknowledging that there's something wrong with them when actually seeking help can be just about having somebody who may have some tools you don't to help you move through the process, as well as somebody who can witness that grief and witness that, um, that sadness. Um, it just makes it a lot easier from that perspective. Well, absolutely true. And I, um, I had four grief counselors. It's not that I was trying to collect grief counselors, but one was through hospice for a predetermined set of appointments. And then I had someone through my HMO, Kaiser, and then that person retired. I had another one and then someone else that I just went to for a workshop. So what I gained from each of the four was life-saving in so many ways, teaching me how to reframe how I was looking at myself and grief and my loss, and also helping me figure out when I was ready to move, for example, into dating, mm -hmm. uh, how I was, when I was ready even to start using sex toys again because I was so out of touch with my body that I wasn't even doing that. And when I finally felt, ah, oh, you know, I have these feelings, but I have a drawer full of sex toys too, but I don't know if it would even work. And she says, if you have a good vibrator, it'll work. You, sometimes these people know the right thing to say at just the right moment. At the right it, time. It isn't that I, as a sex educator, don't have that information. But at the point as a griever, as bereaved, I was not able to access all these things I knew. And I needed Absolutely. someone else to do that, to help me do that. Absolutely. Um, we're just about to go to break here. When we get back, we're going to talk some more about working through the process of grief. And then we'll move on to talking about sex in later years. Uh, I look forward to seeing y'all after a word from our sponsors. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. What is your level of sexual expertise? Want to find something new? Listen for Sisters of Sexuality every week on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel. There's no judgment here, and every topic is safe and sex positive, so we'll explore them together. It's time to push your sexual boundaries and try some new experiences with your hosts, Taylor Sparks and Parish Michelle Blair. You won't want to miss a single show every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you wish you could avoid having difficult conversations with your kids about sex, relationships, and how to stay safe? Do you struggle with what and how much to say? You're not alone. Tune into Holistic Sex Ed Radio with host Robin LaCrosse for a fresh new perspective on sex education that goes beyond the birds and the bees. We gather together every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel for conversations designed to improve your relationships, expand your knowledge, and give you the tools to help your kids make the most out of their lives. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. 
Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drlorybethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey everybody, welcome back to the A to Z of sex. This week it is L is for sex after loss and I'm talking with the lovely Joan Price all about sex after grief and losing your beloved and also all about sex in our later years. So before the break, we were talking about, you were saying that um, it wasn't that you didn't have the information that you needed, but that when you're grieving, sometimes you can't access that information. And so seeing a professional can be really useful. I, I had what I, what I thought of as grief brain. <laughs> my, my brain just was not working the way I counted on it to work all these decades. I love it. Um, that sounds very similar to mommy's brain. <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, it's got to be worse. I, am, I, I imagine so. Well, I think, you know, and this is something that we know from working with trauma, which is that when you're in something like that, when you've, come, you've just come out of a traumatic event, all of the stuff that is from that event is taking up space in your brain. And so memory gets to be a problem. Concentration gets to be yeah. a problem. Because essentially you're carrying too much in your head. And the same would be true for grief. You're stuck yes. in a process. So you're not actually present in the world. That's so true. One of the things that I think people really struggle with is this idea of criticism from others about when they start dating and when they start seeking out sexual experiences. And, and I know that there's a lot of judgment about when it's appropriate. I think there's more judgment. The older you get, the longer you've been with a partner, the more judgment there is. I think, well, I wrote uh, in, my, in the, my new book, Sex After Grief, Navigating Your Sexuality After Losing Your Beloved, my second chapter is called Myths About Sex and Grieving. And it's a combination of the myths that other people tell us as their truths and the myths that we have internalized, that we yeah. think are true, even though they really have no basis in fact. So what I try to do is, is state the myth and then state the truth. And so much of it is about when other people think we should be ready to move on. Mm. We should be ready to date. We should be ready to let someone else into our lives, into our bodies. Or the opposite, would they think we're dating too soon. Now, there are people who were uh, caregivers for their ill partners for months, for years. 
And then when the partner died, they felt, I have done most of my grieving. Of yeah. course, I miss my partner, but I've been grieving for three years, and I need to find joy now. Often, well, maybe not often, but if, if they were lucky, their partner gave them permission Absolutely. said to them, I don't want you to be stuck in grief. I want you to find joy again. I want you to find love again. I want you to use that joy that's in you. Um, my husband said to me, you have so much life in you. Promise me you won't put it on hold. And someone else who had, and I just had a brief time of caregiving, but someone who was a caregiver for two years said um, said to, to her husband, I don't want you to crawl under a rock. I want you to go out and live. The, if we are lucky enough to be in a relationship right now, the best gift we can give our partners is that, is our blessing for moving on because one of us is going to die first. Absolutely. I mean, I've worked with people where the, the caregiving has gone on for many years and there's been no sex for many years and there's been permission within the relationship, in fact, yes. to seek out sexual satisfaction elsewhere. Um, and sometimes people have not acted on that because they haven't felt, despite their having their partner's pr permission, they haven't felt they were able yeah. But they're the people who tend to be out back in the world almost immediately upon the death because they've done their grieving and they've been ready. And yes, if people had been in, in listening in their relationship, they would know they had permission. But there's so much scandal about somebody who's back out there into life, you know, within days of somebody passing. I actually have in the book some responses you can give to people who are um, giving you unwanted advice. If you want, I could read some of those. Oh, um, I think that would be great. I think people would okay. from that. So if, uh, let me just find it real fast. Okay. How do you respond to people who challenge your choices? Here are a few possibilities. I grieved for a long time while my partner was ill. It's time for me to live again. I'm not ready to date yet. I'll know when I am. I'm moving forward on my own timetable. This doesn't need fixing. I'm perfectly capable of making my own decisions. I know you're concerned about me, but you don't need to be. We have differing opinions about what I should do. I know that worked for you, but we're not the same. That's private. Thank you for your concern. I'll let you know if I need your advice. Thanks. And then the final one, that's not helpful. <laughs> I think I really like that I'm moving, I like I'm moving forward on my own timetable. I think what I don't like about the, the first one is that nobody's really entitled to an explanation in my mm -hmm. book, as to the fact that you've done your grieving before. It's like, it, it's as though you're, you're having to justify yourself. And the reality is we're, we're all different in how we process these things. The only person who can know whether it's time and whether you're ready is you. And you need to not give yourself a hard time if you feel fine, because for whatever reason, you know, you may not have grieved for a long time beforehand, you may even be delaying your grief, and that sometimes happens. Of some course. People, some people will go out and get involved with other people in an effort not to feel. 
And if that's what's happening, that's what's happening. And you'll hit your grief at some point or another, but it's your process. It's not somebody else's. And you don't own anybody an explanation. You're absolutely right. I absolutely agree with everything you're saying. The reason that I inserted that first one about um, why someone was ready to start dating right away is that the, the adult children are uh-huh. on their case. Absolutely. So what? Dad just died and you're dating? Yeah. <laughs> you're on OK Cupid and Dad just died two weeks ago? So I just wanted to give them some words if, in case they were having trouble with their own. Yeah, no, and I agree. I think they're perfect words. I just take personal affront to somebody thinking yeah. that they have a right to that explanation. Mm-hmm. You know, if I want to give you an explanation, that's different. Yeah. But, but nobody really has a right to that. So, I mean, I think that... that um, the other thing that people don't talk about is, is masturbation. Yeah. And solo sex is sometimes the only way people get back into sex after grief. Some people don't ever partner again. That's right. And that's their and, choice. And in fact, I have a whole chapter on that also. Hmm. That, that is um, usually the gateway. <laughs> the gateway to sex with other people is sex with yourself. And maybe that's going to be all that you want. Maybe you will not want to have a relationship with another person for a long time, if ever. And that's mm-hmm. okay, too. You don't have, no, one's, no one should force you to. No one should even try to influence you on that. But still nurturing your own sexuality, nurturing your own sexual health, emotional health is so important. And... Um, Frankly, a good orgasm can do that for you. Absolutely. And I think, you know, a lot of people don't realize how important that is and that this has got to be integrated into your life across the board. The same way as you pay attention to your mental health and your physical health, you should be paying attention to your sexual health because we all do better when we're integrated. We all feel better when we're integrated. And orgasm is a great way to soothe yourself as well. Um, and particularly, you know, at a time where you're grieving, although it may feel funny initially, the impulse may feel funny initially. If you don't judge yourself and you just go with it, it it's, can be a really good way to have a catharsis and soothe yourself. And, and I, I would be remiss in not mentioning you may cry. Yeah, absolutely. May, That's what I said, catharsis. But yes, in plain English, yeah, you may cry. You may get you, very upset. You may need the fantasy of your beloved as the person was with you, fully sexual with you. I did. And yes, it, it made me cry. But on the other hand, I knew, I knew it was right. I knew it was right to give myself the pleasure, even if following that, I would dissolve in tears. And, and that's quite common. Um, and that also changes over time for a lot of people. There's a yes. point at which they're no longer dissolving into tears, though they may still be reaching orgasm with the fantasy of the person who's no longer with them. That's right. It just becomes and, a more joyful experience, a more joyful remembering rather than one that really kicks the grief off again. Exactly right. And over time, you may find that that uh, fantasizing about your beloved brings the person back for a moment. And that's, that can be really beautiful. And particularly for people who have been in, in deeply committed relationships mm-hmm. can feel really incredibly important. Um, yeah. Because as people feel like they're losing contact with the memory, that's a way yes. to bring it back very viscerally. Yes. So um, 
We are just uh, about a minute or two from our next break. Um, when we come back, I really want to talk about um, sex in later years because it's amazing to me how many people still think that sex dies for women after menopause um, and that no men over 60 really have a sex drive anymore, <laughs> which I think is tremendously funny. Um, you know, those who listen to my show know I'm 56, so and, and my husband's 62, and we show no signs of any lack of sex drive, but people still seem to think that there's this stop point. Um, I know. Pretty crazy, huh? Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. But it'd be great to talk about really when people get into their 70s and 80s and beyond and the fact that people are still having sex and how they manage this and what kind of adjustments they make. So we will pick that up when we hear from our sponsors. I look forward to hearing you all back in just a couple minutes. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Can grief be good for you? Absolutely. It gets your attention, helping you evaluate your choices and relationships. Your losses define who you are. Tune in each week for Good Grief with host Cheryl Jones. Our show features those who have made incredible transformations by grieving their losses. You'll learn how to find your courage and strength. You'll discover the important things in your life and how to let go of things that are less important. Good Grief airs live Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you ready to live to 100? Join Dr. Joe Casciani and his program that shows us that age is just a number. You can age with fresh and inspiring perspectives, whether it's staying physically fit or keeping mentally fit. With great stories, plenty of advice about successful aging, and brighter outlooks, you just might join those who are living to 100. The Living to 100 Club is broadcast live every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is the A to Z of sex featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails too. Send them to Lori Beth at drlorybethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the A to Z of sex. This is segment three, and we are talking L this week, and L is for sex after loss. And I'm with the wonderful Joan Price, and as I said before the break, we're going to talk about sex in the later years now. Um, I find this whole 
area is so interesting because, of course, I'm getting older, as we all are. But, you know, if we'd been having this conversation 20 years ago, um, it probably would have been a different conversation for me because it wouldn't have felt so close. But it's so interesting to me how many people think that their sexual drive will go. Well, it isn't that the, you see, in a way, I disagree with you because the drive can go. The drive can go. That doesn't mean that our sexual pleasure goes. And it doesn't mean that we can't find other reasons that we want to have sex other than a biological drive. Okay, so yes, libido can, libido can do all sorts of weird things. Um, and I, I've talked about this before. And, and so it, 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 there's so much of our hormone production that adds into libido. So libido can die off, but we can still have pleasure having sex is what you're saying. Absolutely. And we can still have the, the desire for sex, intimacy, joy, orgasms, arousal. We can still want that and enjoy that and experience that without it being the biological, um, uh, the, the biological imperative that, yes, you will have sex because you have these hormones saying, have sex. No, it's for other reasons. And it will look different. It will feel different. It will be just as meaningful. It will often be better <laughs> because we no longer have the, um, we're no longer so driven which is a good thing also because then we can relax and enjoy the great parts of sex without rushing to a goal, without worrying about getting pregnant, without all of these things that were a part of our sex lives when we were younger. Now, I'm 20 years older than you and mm -hmm. will always be, so we should do this every 10 years. Let's <laughs> talk, <laughs> see how you're doing. <laughs> I don't, I, to be fair, I'd love to have this talk every 10 years, but I doubt my sex drive is going to get any lower, um, even if it's not the biological drive. I have a higher sex drive now than I did um, in my 40s. And early 50s, I mean, and, and even in most of my 30s, to be fair. That's wonderful. So you're coming into your own. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that um, for, for women like me who had issues um, that meant that I had problems with pain and, and all sorts, um, hysterectomy was what did it for me. Um, ah. So it meant that I still enjoyed sex. I, I, there was not a point where I wasn't. I didn't ever want to have sex. Please don't touch me. And I know some women really struggle. I, I, it was never that for me. I always found ways around it. But um, having the hysterectomy really changed everything because it just made it pain-free. So now it became something that was just straightforward about drive um, mm. and, and desire. So that's wonderful. And um, also being... Um, fully integrated sexually and fully authentic sexually has made the difference um, in my, for, my 40s and 50s. That the more comfortable I have been with me, the better my sex is, which I say to everybody, the more comfortable you are with yourself, the more you know what you love, the better yes. your sex life will be, the better your intimacy will be. And so um, my relationships have just gotten better and better. And it's, it's, I can't see that stopping. 
you are illustrating what I talk about all the time about why it gets better. Because we know ourselves, we know what we want, we know what we don't want, we know the kind of relationship we want, we've maybe made a bunch of relationship mistakes, and perhaps, hopefully, if we're lucky, we're done making relationship mistakes. <laughs> we can now own who we are and celebrate it and find matches that are truly, uh, that truly work for who we are now. The other thing that works so well is that if we have done the work and practiced, we know how to communicate better. Absolutely. We know how to ask for what we want and how to say, I love our sex life now, but let's experiment. Let's try some new things. And, and I think go ahead. part of that is confidence, right? So it's not just better communication skills, but you have more confidence. And yes. that's definitely something that can build with age not just practice. Absolutely, absolutely. However, I do often encounter people who are stuck because they have not practiced it. Mm -hmm. So they're stuck at age 65 and still not knowing how to ask for what they want and being stuck in a relationship that isn't working for them, that is, uh, is in a rut with things they're not, that are, they're not enjoying. They aren't turning them on, and yet they're asking me how I don't want to hurt his feelings. How do I tell him? Right. So it isn't just that you age. It is that you age creatively. And Absolutely. age with intention. Absolutely. Um, and I think that really being willing to take the time to figure out what you want doesn't change. It's still at every age. The important yes. thing is knowing yourself first. Because if you have no idea what you want, you can't really explain to a partner. And then the tricky thing is that as you age, what you want changes. Mm -hmm. Because we, um, you know, let's say we had this favorite position that we loved, but because of our hips or our knees, we can't even get into that position now. So now what do we do? Or maybe we always had this one erogenous zone that just made us tingle with delight, and now it doesn't do it for us. So now what do we do? So as we age, things do change. What we want, where we want it, how we want it changes. But if we are in touch with ourselves and if we are willing to, um, as I always put it, go on a journey of exploration to mm -hmm. see what we might like better now, then that can enhance our sex lives lifelong. And I think it's really interesting because it's not just aging that changes some of these things. People have chronic illnesses, mm -hmm. um, you know, they have injuries. And so at, at so many ages, people can run across this situation where whatever was working really well for them suddenly either is not working at all or they can no longer accommodate it. I mean, knees is a big yes. one for lots of people, you know. And, and so if we're not willing to be flexible mentally, then we're stuck when our bodies are less flexible. Exactly. And I always recommend that whatever your age, that if you have one particular way that having sex means to you, to, to expand that. Expand that before you need to so that you won't be stuck with, oh, my God, what do I do now? You said, okay, we'll go to this instead. We'll do this. And, and for heaven's sakes, make sure that penetrative sex is not the only way that you enjoy sex 
because there may be time in the future where that's not possible, where either uh, a penis can't stay hard enough or a vagina is not, is not comfortable that way. And if we have all these other ways to enjoy glorious arousal and orgasm that don't involve penetrative sex in the way that we were used to doing it as we, when we were younger, then we will age more creatively and with uh, a lot more joy. I mean, it, it, one of the things that I think is very interesting is how this will change. Because certainly um, in my generation, already there was an emphasis more, well, for some people, on other ways of having sex. Mm. Like if I talk to my mom in her generation, she's 80. In her generation, that was it, right? Penetrative sex was what was expected, sex within a monogamous marriage long-term. And so that was pretty much the model. So I wonder if people younger in younger generations than I, who are coming up with more ideas of what sex means, will have less of an issue with this as they get older. I because, hope so. Yeah. I, I sometimes talk to young people, and they uh, there, there are some things that they know that I did not know at their age for sure, and they practice. There are other things that they don't. Mm. For example, uh, just how to ask for what you want from a partner. Oh, yeah, that seems to be universal. Oh, so stuck on that. And I think that actually might be getting worse because people are so used to using minimal words, using their phones, not even spelling the word. <laughs> yeah. Thing, just making that as quick and as quick as possible. That instead of practicing the nuances of communication, they're just they're not really learning that at all. And I hope that that inspires young people who may be listening to say, "Well, why don't we just put down the phones and talk to each other?" I, I mean, I think that is a concern that I have. That um, that really to be successful at relationships, you have to be able to communicate. And then there's nowhere that we teach communication. That's right. It, it's not, unless you go specifically and seek out to learn communication somewhere, there's nowhere that it's standard as part of the curriculum. We don't teach communication skills in schools. We don't teach emotional skills in schools. And those are crucial elements to decent relationships. So it worries me that the more we spent, and I love technology, don't get me wrong, but the more we spend buried in our technology, the less ability there is to communicate verbally easily. And unless you're going to text your partner what it is you want. <laughs> Which can still be misunderstood. Yes. Um, you know, I, it, somewhere down the line, you need to learn how to communicate with nuance. And that's really important. Um, and so, yes, I, I, I do get concerned that we are going backwards in that way a little bit because there, it, there's less, less and less emphasis on that actual direct communication where you're looking at the person and you're making eye contact. So you're getting... In, in good schools, that can happen, or with good teachers, that can happen. Not talking about sex specifically, but learning how, for example, I was a high school English teacher for 22 years. A lot of people don't know that about me. are quite surprised. Uh, and I taught writing and literature, but when I taught writing, I taught people to critique each other's work and to make it clear in the way that they 
critiqued it and they spoke to the other person. I am criticizing the writing. I am not criticizing you. Yeah. And this was something that, oh, there's a difference? Yeah, there's a really big Huge. difference. And I think if, they, if we did more of that in school, that people would be able to then apply that to their personal lives too. Because we certainly don't want someone saying to a partner, uh, you don't turn me on. That's Absolutely. not the truth of it. The yeah. truth of it is we are not doing the things that turn me on, and I'd like to explore what those are. Would you do this with me? Absolutely. And that's a great point to end on before we go to our last break. When we get back, we will be talking further about sex and aging and grief. Um, and um, if any of you have any questions, please let us know and we will answer them. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Whether you're new to single life, stuck in dating hell, or coupled up and trying to spice things up, Done Being Single with host Treva and Robbie Sharf is your lifeline to love. From hookups to happily ever after, Done Being Single is dating intervention with practical tools and tips that will take your dating game to the next level. Tune in to Done Being Single Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. And be sure to follow Treva and Robbie on Instagram and Twitter at Done Being Single. Over 20 million people in America struggle with substance use. This impacts both the people who are using and loved ones who are trying to help. Still, there is hope. Tune in to the Beyond Addiction Show with host Josh King. You'll hear from experts and get the real information you need to understand and assist in change. Change can be hard. It doesn't have to be confusing. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. This is the A to Z of sex, featuring Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee. We know you have questions. We welcome you to call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Feeling a bit shy? It's okay. Dr. Lori Beth loves to read your emails, too. Send them to Lori Beth at drlorybethbisbee.com. Now, more of the A to Z of sex. Welcome back to the A to Z of sex. This is L is for sex after grief and loss. And I am talking with the amazing Joan Price. And this is the last segment of the show. We're still talking about, at the moment, sex in the older ages. So communication is one of the important things. And you were saying, and I agree that um, part of why sex can be more enjoyable when you're older is if you are better able to express yourself. It can also feel that much harder as well if you haven't learned to express yourself and you find yourself at 65 or plus in a relationship where your needs still aren't being met. 
and suddenly one day wake up thinking like, actually, I really want my needs met before I'm no longer alive. Yeah. How do you work with people in that situation when they're that far down the road and still not able to express themselves? Well, I tell them, and, and I'm sure you do this in your sessions too, to make I statements, to talk, not to talk about their partner, like you do this, you don't do that. But instead, what I need, I, w- I would like to try. I, uh, one of the things is we sometimes practice um, scripts. Well, for example, if if a partner who is trying so hard to please us is doing something that used to work for us 20 years ago but doesn't work for us now, then we might say something like, I, I know that um, I always used to love this sexual activity, but as I've aged, I'm finding that my responses are changing. And I would love to go on a journey of exploration with you to find out where my new erogenous zones are. Would you do that with me? You know, do it in a way that is loving and inviting and sounds like a heck of a lot of fun rather than, I hate what you're doing. Can we just stop and go eat ice cream? <laughs> Which isn't going to get us anywhere except ice cream. And I think, you know, it's, it can be really difficult if you've, been one way with a partner for many years. Yeah. I think it's a little, it, it, in some, some ways it's a little easier if you're not with a partner that's a long-term partner. If you're out there and you're, you're out there looking again or connecting or you're with shorter-term partners to make those shifts. But when you're with somebody who you've been with for many, many years and things have always been in a certain way and maybe you haven't said anything because you didn't want to make your partner feel bad and it was okay because you could finish yourself and it wasn't a big deal or, you know, or didn't feel a big deal and now your feelings have changed. And you Sometimes t- it's helpful to get a third a professional to help us, yeah. to have a session with a sex therapist or a counselor or uh, someone that you would both feel comfortable with who can give you the tools for talking. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. There are people Absolutely. who already know it, and by investing an hour, you can learn some things that would take you years to try to figure out on your own. Absolutely. And there are all sorts of ways to explore desire together. Yes. That you might not otherwise think about. I mean, one of my favorites is talking with people about, well, find some erotica. If you're, if you're afraid of how your partner's going to react to whatever you, you think is your latest turn on, find some erotica that tells the story. And exactly. Read it to them and see how they, you know, and if it's like, oh, well, then, you know, they're not interested in that. But you know, if they get excited, then you've got a place to start. And also realize if you have a fantasy that it isn't all or nothing. You might have the fantasy. Okay, let's just invent a fantasy. Let's say you really want to have sex in a public place with people watching. Mm -hmm. Okay, but is your first step to then go out in the neighborhood park and have sex with people watching? Probably not because you could be arrested, and besides, you might even not like it. If, however, what you could do is just role play it, just do it with words, 
describe where you are right now and oh describe the people who are watching and what do you think do we do i think i'll take my my top off now will you help me take my top off and you might just be in your own bedroom enacting this fantasy just seeing how it feels if that's enough and that might turn you on you don't have to um risk <laughs> getting arrested by actually going out to the public place if however that sort of thing turns you on so much it makes you really eager to have the real experience then perhaps go to a swing party absolutely your that is a play party where that is expected that you can have sex and you can have sex just with each other or with other people but it's up to you it isn't expected of course if you're at this party you have to have sex with anyone who wants to it's not like that these parties have their own rules of consent and enthusiastic consent and you can you can write your own fantasy and play it absolutely. out absolutely and and so if 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 being exposed and having other people watch is a big thing then you can be in a safe place where you can do that and exactly. have all sorts of people watching have no physical contact with them and act out the fantasy, and then be with your partner and go. You don't That's even right. have to have sex with your partner, you know, have further contact with your partner there. You can just do the one thing and then leave. It gives you the opportunity to play out the fantasy without being in the situation of potentially getting arrested. Exactly. You can also enlist others in, in acting out a fantasy like that. So you, yes. could, you could plan it so that others surprise you. Yes. And again, you're, you're acting it out in a way where you're not going to get yourself arrested because avoiding getting arrested is a good idea. So I have a question for you while we're on sure. the subject of things that are dangerous or not dangerous. How do you choose a therapist who will be sex positive enough not to say, oh my God, you don't want to do that. You know, it's a bad fantasy to have. We'll say, okay, that turns you on. Let's explore the different ways you can do that safely. I mean, I think it's important to have a, a, a therapist or, or a coach who has, who mentions that they work with people on sex and relationships. Um, and I, you've got to interview people. Uh -huh. right? So first sessions are a chance for you to see if the two of you connect. And there's no harm, no foul in my book. Sometimes people will meet me and they're not comfortable with me. It's nothing about me. It has to do with the interaction between the two of us, I don't take it personally. They're just not comfortable. I'll refer them to someone else. That's a time where you can ask a question. If you're having a conversation and you've, you're not sure, you may feel the person might be moralistic, you can ask, are you sex positive? It's important to me that you not judge my fantasies and, and, and actually put it out there. I love that. Thank and you. If you don't get the right answer or if you get an uncomfortable feeling, this goes beyond nerves. I mean, people go, oh, but, but I was anxious. Well, yes, we all get anxious when we go see a therapist, right? That's normal. It goes beyond nerves. It's can you actually, do you actually feel like you're going to be heard and understood by this person? If you don't, if you feel for any reason you're going to be judged or uncomfortable for any of the answers they give, then you just say, thank you very much. This isn't going to work. And then shop around. That's and such important advice. Thank you. You're welcome. I mean, I think, I think it's essential that people understand that it's, there's nothing wrong in doing that. And a good therapist won't feel insulted or upset about you doing that. Right. You know, not everybody can work with everybody. 
it's really quite simple. You know, therapists sometimes say, I'm not the person for you. They won't give you a reason. They'll just tell you, I'm not the person for you. It could be they don't have the expertise. It could be something you're talking about makes them uncomfortable. They haven't worked through an issue. And if they know their stuff, they'll say, I'm not the person for you. Let me help you find somebody who would do a better job. Or it could just be that with that area the person is, is presenting with, that there is someone else they know that is better. It's better. That's, that's got more expertise. Mm-hmm. So we're only a few minutes from the end of the show. Um, you've been absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much. Where is the best way for people to find you if they want to be in touch with you? JoanPrice.com. My website has everything. It has my books, my blog, uh, how to sign up for my newsletter, how to contact me personally for consultations or for uh, media interviews. has everything there you might need, just www.joanprice.com. Brilliant. So thank you, everybody, for listening this week. Um, have you owned your sexual energy and integrated it into your life? Being authentic and fully yourself brings the magic to transform all aspects of your life. If you're interested in learning how to cultivate your authentic magic, sign up for my free strategy session at bit.ly forward slash 30, that's three zero, minutes, Dr. Lori Beth. So it's three zero minutes, D-R, and it's capital, it's capital D, capital L-O-R-I, capital B-E-T-H. Thanks for listening today. If you've got more questions, you can email me at lauribeth at drlauribethbisbee.com. If you've got an idea for the show, please send it in. Remember, we will answer all questions, and if I don't have the answer, I will find someone who does. Next week, I hope you'll join me for the letter M. Have a really wonderful, hot, healthy, and fantastic week. We hope you learned something today. But if you have more questions, go ahead and email them to Lori Beth at drlaurybethbisbee.com. Then be here next Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another edition of the A to Z of Sex with Dr. Lori Beth Bisbee on Voice America Health and Wellness. See you next week.